looking for launch like near my where I was staying. And I got this tweet. Yearn, you should take a look. Like the, the tweet that no, nobody wants to see. I started running back to my room. We were seeing the transaction, trying to like get a sense. The war room immediately started. Uh, not everybody was awake. Uh, some people were in, in that time and we started uh, the war room and trying to get a sense. And at that time, Sam was awake. GM, GM, everyone. My name is Degachi, the host of Scraping Bits, and today I'm with Storm. How's it going, friend? Hey, thanks for the invite. All good. No problem. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Busy man, I assume, as we all are. So I appreciate you coming on for the for the next hour. <laughs> uh, and just for the people yeah. that don't know who you are, um, who are you, and and what do you do? Yeah, I'm, uh, I go by Storm Interact on GitHub uh, and and uh, Twitter, I guess. And um, yeah, most of my time is spent contributing at your security related stuff around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to, to not get hacked, like uh, getting, getting into war rooms, incident response, uh, the overall helping the overall wider Ethereum security community, and um, yeah, coding stuff doing my own tooling projects, uh, anything that like I find that I'm curious about and it, around the tech, mostly blockchain uh, these days. What, what specifically do you, do you contribute security-wise to, to Yarn? Yeah, so uh, there's a process. I started uh, way back in, in Yarn DeFi summer, I guess, uh, when, when like the craze was going on and, and there was uh, like zero process around it, like, you know, like test, the, the, the mantra testing prod got, got like really famous. And back then, like Andre was the one like fitting out strategies like every, every day or so it, it seemed back then. And there was, uh, some groups that, that I eventually got invited by, by chance, I guess. And, uh, right. and back then I wasn't doing anything like I was trying to, I, before I was trying to build startups or, or something in, in Ethereum or blockchain. Right. And by happenstance, I was free enough to, to contribute. And, uh, yeah, that code was shared in those Telegram groups and say, Hey, somebody can, can get a review. And it was already like on, on mainnet. Mm-hmm. And he was asking for reviewers. And I was saying, I mean, I, at first I, I didn't like feel, am I good enough to review this stuff? Like this is, this right. is Andrew, like they're bigger than, than anything. Like I, I wasn't. Big imposter syndrome that I had back then. Yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, yeah, at, at some point nobody started reviewing. Like we got some reviewers, uh, but at some point, like he was posting stuff and nobody was available, and I just started being, ah, oh, you, you know, you should. I, I took a look, and you should change this, you should change that. And he said, "Oh, you're right." And he just redeployed the contract <laughs> with the change, no, no, right. no GitHub or anything. Yeah, just yeah, just straight to mainnet. And I say, oh, all right, I'm contributing something. Um, and yeah, I just did this on my free time. And the more time I spent like trying to help and, and do things, I got pulled into more core groups. And it's like you're in like a big onion. Like the, the deeper you go, there are groups and more groups, like the, the, the closer you get. And um, yeah, but at that point, I started like we, we I mean, DeFi Storm was crazy. Like every, every Saturday, I woke mm. up and there was there was a hack going on and some incident that like just by the nature of Yarn because we're involved in all these different protocols like uh, strategies yeah. and doing that we sort of got pulled into all the war rooms all the situations and um, yeah you, you got I mean I got when uh, I was able to help in a few of them and uh, that's sort of like how I got involved I started thinking I mean we cannot keep doing this like every every. Every yeah. Sunday, there's going to be an issue. So I started like coming up with a, a process how to how to go about like launching strategies, and this was sort of aligned at the same time when we we're launching the the next version of the bolts. At that point, was V two, uh, right. which is like the the biker code, and sort of like with this new team, the Android sort of like at by that point stepped out, and and this new team was figuring out how to continue. The, the the operation of the of the, of the protocol and um, yeah that's where I came up with uh, with the process incident response process to how do you go from inception of a strategy like uh, how the idea of a strategy to all the way to production and that's sort of like what I contributed the most like I do reviews so going back to your your initial question like I do reviews mm-hmm. 
I'm part of the internal security team. Uh, we're, we're three members right now. And I'm one of the reviewers. And the strategy doesn't go to production unless somebody in the security team review it. And before that, right. there's other people doing peer reviews. And, and, and even when it goes to production, it doesn't mean it, it goes without an audit, but it has some caps and we, based on, on a risk score that we came up with as well. We, we have limitations in how much money that, and, and, and at some point, if the TVL starts to, to, to grow or we need more, that's, there's some coordination around the strategists and, and we think like that. Uh, we start to do preventive action. So preventive action by say, by, by that means, okay, let's have another security person look at it. Maybe that's an external researcher or somebody internal, or we do an audit, depending on how much we want to scale that. Uh, so that's sort of like how we manage. It. That's the bigger part or the chunk of my work. Um, also like getting bounty reports and things, but that, that's where I, we step in. We, we have this internal sort of audits, uh, within the, 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 the contracts that we use and deploy before. They go to production, and we also like do due diligence on protocols that we we are uh, interacting with. So that's sort of like what 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 I do day to day mostly. It's quite interesting because it's an an internal audit group compared to you know hiring an external one. So, well, what are the real differences between like an external one and an internal like in house I guess security team? Um, yeah, I guess you get. I mean, if I'm in external audit, you get two weeks, for example, like I'm in an audit firm or I'm a solo auditor. I get two weeks to get context real quick. And uh, then I'm stepping into an audit project. And like you, that context get, gets erased out of your RAM, right? And, and now you yeah. need to like boot another new context. And, but but it, when you have the internal security team, we were usually part of the actual development of the code of the core protocol. So we know it very well. And you, you have context of what's going on. You, you have, you, you sync with the strategist group. You have, uh, we have a sync once a week and we have good context of what's going on, what we want to do, what are the priorities. So we don't get that from external auditors. They just get, the, the, the commit hash of this repo and get the context real quick because you only have yeah. two weeks. Uh, so. Yeah, and and you mentioned that like, you know, since Hyuna is such a massive protocol and a lot of protocols depend on, on these strategies, right? What do you think really causes the, the, the dependency hacks um, that, that we usually see? Like the strategy is like a dependency of the protocol basically using it, right? Yeah, yeah. The way it works, like, yeah, the, you're a user and you deposit into a vault and it's sort of like a set and forget, right? That, that's sort of like the brilliant thing that Andrew came up with. Uh, it, it was sort of like similar to compound tokens before that, but it's basically, yeah, I deposit die. I want this die to grow. Like you, you wake up every day and you have your wallet and you have yeah. a bit of more money and you just set it and forget. Like the, back then, like you, you had yields around a thousand percent and everything. Like, so the strategies are things and plugins that you hook in uh, to this vault, and they're sort of like the backend, and they're deploying cash automatically, like like bots deploying cash, trying to get the best yield out of that that uh, the bag that is the vault of, of money, and and yeah, that's the backend part, but it, that's abstracted away from the user. Like the user only cares about their their shared token, which is the vault, and uh, that that is growing basically. But that's sort of like the complexity of the system. And the, by that complexity, by the next year, as you mentioned, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's bound to get problems because there's a lot of moving parts. Things get uh, changed. And, um, yeah, there's a, that's why we get involved in some war rooms and, and we have gotten this big amount of experience because just by happenstance, we're like, we're, we're involved either by proxy with a, with another protocol or, yeah. or, or we're directly involved somehow. And, and yeah, that, that, that's the big, that's why the risk framework comes in because there, if you see that there's this site that's called Yarn Watch, you, you can go to yarn.watch and you, mm-hmm. there's a risk tab and we, we have a map, a risk map, like it's like a heat map of all the strategies and where the money is allocated and we have, and that risk is like a, it's, it's a formula between like the amount of preventive actions we have times the TVL at risk. 
And every time it gets closer to, to red, to the red, like the risky side, we do some preventive action. So right. that's sort of like what, what we came up with uh, and as part right. of the, the year process. So you're, you're either, in fact, well, a part of it as a proxy or directly. Um, and, and they're usually complex hacks, no? I, whenever I see something like that's interacting with a vault, it's always some re-entrancy, flash learn, oracle manipulation mm-hmm. of some sorts. So they're very complex. Um, and, and what do you really see the most since you're in the, the heart of it all? There's a variety, I think. Uh, um, the, the ones yeah. that, I guess the ones that they usually come up with, like, uh, which shouldn't happen at this point, but we, do, we still see them, like, you know, re-entrances, the big ones, and uh, the, the Oracle manipulations are another one. Like, I think the, the, the one that I, that I go, go, go back to a lot that, that was involved with Yearn, and um, we didn't get hacked, but, but uh, Vol got, got hacked. It was involved in the hack, it was the Queen Finance hack, uh, one of the major mm. ones, I think the biggest one. So back then, like the, the Queen Finance is a compound fork, but they added exotic tokens, like instead of uh, like normal ERP20, like you had vaults. Right. As, as collateral, yeah. So, so the attacker, uh, which I know if brilliant is the correct word, but the insight to have, like the bolts are a closed system in the case that you can only deposit and withdraw. And it has this price per share, right? The, the price per share is a calculation of how much money in the underlying there is versus your shares. And that's, that is a, that's converted. So the price per share, mm-hmm. you, you may have a hundred shares. And that could be, that could mean that, that the value when you withdraw is 200 die, for example. So that means that the price per share is two to one or something, right? So mm-hmm. the inside, the brilliant insight that the attacker had is that the, the Oracle that Cream used to price that vault token was using that price per share. And the price per share had, uh, if you go into the code, uh, it was using balance off the underlying right. token. So so mm. you have these two doors, right? Deposit and withdraw. That's the only way I can get in. But the attacker found a window that was half open in the back, which is the yeah. balance off. I can change the state of that price for sure. Yeah. And that's what he did. He, he got a big, massive uh, flash node and he airdropped a lot of money to the fault. So the Oracle mm. price got spiked. And that means that the, the shares of faults that he had where Cream thought he had a lot more money than the entire TVL of Cream, so he was able to borrow okay. it. Uh, so, so that was, I mean, I, again, I don't know if it's brilliant, but the inside, now we know that's possible. And in that yeah. war room, we were helping that. Uh, like, you know, there's this amount of hacks that we know, reentrancy Oracle, keep happening. We know, like, since the down, there's all of these armchair Twitter folk that say, oh, how, how can you miss this, right? Nobody mm. saw the DAO hack before it happened, right? Now it's obvious, yeah. but, but, but back then it was novel. Uh, this was novel at, at that point. So, so there's this hacks that sort of like, uh, I, I think are a big step up in the overall knowledge around the, the security community, the owners, you know, only re-entrancy is another one that, that recently, yeah, yeah. you know, that, that you can get into curve. And, and in this moment, while the state is in an, uh, an incomplete state, you can do stuff for, for protocols that are integrating with it. And uh, so, yeah, that, that cream hack was an insight. And I remember in the war room, we were looking at it and said, wow, this is one of the most complex hacks we've seen. Like, uh, in, mm. and, and, and somebody pointed out, oh shit, can't you do the same thing with X sushi Nabe? Because X sushi was the exact same mm. thing. It uses a balance stuff. And at that point, like, it got messy because, oh shit, is Abe under, uh, uh, like, under attack? Yeah. It could be under, and it, it came up, like, at that point, like, some, some people reached out to Abe. Apparently, they were also looking at it at that point, but nobody looked at it before the clean hack. And, um, and yeah, it got prevented because there wasn't enough, enough liquidity to make it feasible on, on Abe. And that got touched or, or mitigated somehow, I believe. But, uh, that, that just shows that, that there's this novel new hacks that come in and that the overall increase uh, the amount of knowledge in the, in the Ethereum security community. Uh, and, and now yeah. people, the, the auditors, the solo auditors, the contests know about them. Like that's how you get good now. You started like looking at past 
context reports or past audits and you sort of like increase your knowledge and, and you're trying to accumulate patterns around, uh, yeah, this is possible. And uh, I mean, we shouldn't see, I mean, we should see a wind down at some point of like or re-engineering oracles, but, uh, it's, we're not there yet, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident, like I'm optimistic that, that, that the overall knowledge is increasing, that you, you have several security persons in the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems that now like the, the field is growing a lot faster, which, which you know, we, we, yeah. we definitely need. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm really fascinated about these like very lengthy function hacks. Uh, it's just remarkable of the, the complexity. Um, you would just have to spend ages reviewing this, I think. Or if you're just very intimate, no, intimately know if you know the code intimately, I guess it would be quite easy to identify something like this. Um, but it seems that the only people really learn these hacks is once they're actually completed. Um, so I wonder if there's any automation that could be done to really identify something like this. Uh, or I guess theoretically, if you were to automate it, what's the kind of path you would go down to to find, you know, the root causes of these these complex hacks? Yeah, it's an interesting question. The, the tooling is, has gotten better uh, for sure. Like you know, you now yeah. have found yeah, found the fussy formal verification. The thing we compound, like you know, compound the the original never got hacked, and in the cream sense, like that's sort of like. When you audit the code, the code has this assumption like, ah, oh, this ERC-20 is not going to rebase. It's not going to do some funky stuff. It's going to be act, it's acting compliant. And that's sort of like what the auditors see. But when you're adding the token on chain as the governance part, I mean, I, I guess Cream had this governance um, operation that they added, they decided to add tokens. And that sort of like breaks a lot of the assumptions in the audit because the audit's like a snapshot in time of the code and it's not even mm. working with integrations or, or the, yeah. the fork state. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I heard people talking about like every time there's a governance action and you change, especially in, in, in protocols that are similar to compound and that where the, the risk is added after not necessarily in an audit, you need to sort of like, audit each step in new tokens, new things, because all those, like you said, those are dependencies that yeah. change your, your assumptions completely. Like everything goes out the window. Um, and, and we see this before, like a, a small changes. That's why we in your, like they have this aversion against proxy upgrades because it's like it, it, I know they're useful in some cases, but they bring so much complexity to, to the operations. And, and I think those operations after the fact, like we you spend a lot of money in audits pre-launch doing this upfront uh, cost of security. But after the fact, you make small changes and, and we've seen it before, like, you know, the Nomad was a small change in the PR. If you go back to that PR, you, you feel like you're seeing, uh, I, I don't know, like you're, you're watching an airplane crash and you're, you're seeing like the black box <laughs> you're hearing. And say you're, you're, you're hearing the black box, okay, pull up, guys. And it's a small changes, uh, but they were done in different contexts and they didn't take into account the root and, you know, some changes of the, the, the actual state. And, uh, mm. so, so coming back to the question, like, uh, I'm seeing more tooling around like those operational changes that happen after the fact, because we don't spend the amount, the amount of time of upfront cost and security to those small changes, which really you only need to screw up once, right. Uh, yeah. to, to get hacked. And, uh, that's the thing about like upgrading your contracts. And I have tweets about, about this, like operational risk and, and, um, yeah, but in, in a lifetime before I, I used to work in air traffic system, aerospace system. So that's where I got the yeah, ideas yeah. about risk. So, so yeah, I mean, that operational risk is a big factor and, and all these situations. Mm. And so the tooling, I'm, I'm confident that the tooling is not there yet, but I'm confident at some point we may be able to get to the point where we, don't need too much human intervention to to get like down to the root causes, and even we can we can probably simulate a lot of fussing and all the the, the tests to say okay this yeah. change in state that we're going about to do and we're we're about to upgrade it's going to be safe because of this set, yeah. but uh, but this also like it has the limitations of course because you're only even formal verification every test you have you need to write the test and think about the actual exploit, right? And when we're talking about novel things, it's by, by day nature, there's nobody saw them coming. Like, uh, yeah. like this, 
this uh, curve uh, biker hack, right? Uh, we mm-hmm. there was there, there there were some tests, but they didn't cover exactly the exact the the exact gap that there was in, in that specific biker version that didn't have the reentrance and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's that's that's basically a plane crash. Like, you, for a plane to crash these days, you know, it, there's millions of, of of you know like uh, planes flying around, uh, and nobody thinks about like, oh my my god, my plane will crash. We're not. That it, it's sub-zero odds that, that the plane will, but when it goes down, it means that several things went wrong in the in the in the process in the operation of the system, and that's really how uh, I see this this biker issue. If you think about it, like it, I mean, it's sort of like a, a silver lining, I guess, about four silver lining, yeah. but but it is what it is. That that it didn't happen when Curve had twenty three billion right, back in the in the top, right? It happened mm-hmm. here when it was in in the bear market. And we have now this conversation around improving the underlying stack, the compiler, the EBM. Like, what happens yeah, if, yeah. if something is wrong at that level? Uh, because yeah, the, the the curve people had assumptions around how the compiler worked, and um, and it happens to be, and, and you needed several things to go wrong. The compiler didn't do the reentry lock. Um, I mean, for context, like the, the the issue was that the compiler has the the language has a built-in reentry lock. And, and, and you have two functions and you have a, an identifier. You say func, uh, deposit, like identify deposit and you use the same identifier and two different functions. And that, that's how you say, uh, if I'm interacting with this function and doing a serial call, I cannot reenter, uh, through the same identifier. Uh, the problem for those versions is that the storage was not set at the same, uh, address or pointer. Uh, so they really weren't the the the, the reentrancy wasn't working basically, and so it allowed reentrancy for 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 where so so and uh, so that was sort of like an assumption that that worked and uh, and 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 on top of that you needed actual pools contracts deployed that of all the releases that Viper has it happened to have a specific contracts that have money good amount of money and they happened to use a mechanism that allowed reentrancy like E raw E. Because there's there's several Viper contracts that had ERC twenties, but you couldn't pull off the attack because there's no way to re-enter. You had to all those things sum up. That's why I, like I compare it to a plane crash because all those things happen at the same time. Yeah, it's it's quite interesting this whole kind of process of you know you, you identify one small thing and then that the, the creates a chain reaction of just you know everything failing uh, given a certain context someone provides a certain amount of money and you know some token it can just change everything and it's it's really hard to account for this as well when you're doing you know auditing before you've even deployed it because you don't know how people how different actors are going to interact with it right there's just so many possibilities um especially if you know you're, you're deploying a pro- protocol that de- that depends on something else you have to account for all the possibilities of that dependency and you have to account for all the possibilities on your own protocol. So there's double the effort, right? It's actually a really big problem. <laughs> uh, which it, yeah. Requires yeah, a course. really, really, you know, complex solution as well. And I think, I, I guess, since you're doing this, you know, full-time internal auditing with, you know, and you deal with these very complex strategies, what, what do you actually specifically look for in order to prevent you know, the, these nuts going loose in the engine, I guess. At this point, we have a good checklist of things that we, we like, we, we do two steps. Like, we the, we check the, the strategy code is accurate. Like, the, before we came in, we before we come in the steps, there's a peer review, which is probably other strategists, like, looking at your code. If you're a strategist writing a strategy, other people are looking at your code, and they're also checking. They're, they're really good developers at this point, like, experience. So they, they're checking for assumptions and stuff. And um, you get this, like, if you're a new strategist and you get you get this line of help of, of people that are experienced, and they're helping you, and, and, and they're telling you, like, this is not accurate, or you're going to lose, lose precision here, or this is a, a wrong calculation because this is that, with this specific protocol. And um, and then we come in the security part, and my job is, like, to to put that to a point to, to – I have my own checklist of things that I look for, and I say, okay, how can I attack this? And you're totally right in the in – the, yeah, so so I usually go, like, if I'm, if I'm a strategist at this point, I'm like, well – 
well-rounded for me because they're they're the sandbox. You you know you only have right. the interactions around the ball. There's no external people there backing stuff basically. So there's no external depositing withdrawal. So that makes it like easier to dial down into what are the issues that can come up. Uh, so I I start pointing out all the external functions, all the state changing functions. So those are my doors. How can yeah. I attack this? The attackers only can come in through the doors or some, or, you know, like in the cream example, like the, it was an actual door, but it was hidden in the back, but you can change the state of the contract uh, through that door. And um, so those are my first things that I look for. How can I interact? Who's, who has access? How can I get access to those to, the, to that list, to that modifier, uh, things like that, and ask questions, post questions, what happens? Think of bad scenarios. Around. Then I go deeper into the actual protocol that, that we're using, and I think about scenarios. What, what are the multi-six situations? That's really part of the due diligence that we do before we actually even start coding the strategy. We check, is this protocol safe? What, how, how, how many audits that it, does it have? What's the multi-six situation? Can they upgrade stuff? Can they rock? Are there, you know, who's in the multi-say, all that stuff. And, and ask questions when I'm checking the code, I'm checking the, the due diligence document, which is uh, at that point available. And I'm and asking questions, what happens if USDC price goes to this or it depacks or yeah. something? And like posing questions, how would the strategy react? And yeah. we add a lot, we usually add a lot of uh, emergency break scenarios, like functions and say, okay, if everything is, is, is in the worst case scenario, how do you salvage this strategy? And we add, you'll, you'll see a lot of special methods around uh, winding down strategy, uh, on, mm. if it's leveraging, how can we deleverage the strategy as fast as possible in an emergency? And those get added by security and suggested by security, usually. So it gives us mm. uh, a special buffer, like, yeah, I mean, we, we, we know the code is, we don't know all the possible bad scenarios that could happen, but let's put some guardrails in place just because we know it eventually will happen. So, so we have these guardrails in place. It always happens eventually. Just give it some time. Like USDC depegged, right? And, yeah. and that was just a massive shift. And that actually just caused everything to be vulnerable to some degree. So <laughs> yeah. for a period of yeah. time, right? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some joke in the, in the in the core groups that we have that that, this, that, that we we can no longer call, call black swans in crypto because they happen every every week. <laughs> there's no it loses the meaning of black swan. Like, yeah, this can't happen. XTE cannot be packed. Well, it has happened, and it's sort of like everything is speed run in, in crypto. It seems uh, eventually it happens. Yeah. And I guess what is your process for, let's say there was some major exploit, you know, going on and someone was just, you know, pumping these, uh, all these tokens out of a, a vault. Uh, what is your kind of strategy or what, what even happens when you see this live, you get, you know, alerted by someone on Twitter, someone goes into DMs or on Telegram. And then what, what do you do at that point when someone's like, oh, by the way, you're getting hacked right now or someone that depends on you is getting hacked. I had a, um, a Twitter thread around, I was in Tokyo back then, uh, this year actually, and some of old, pre, yeah, I had a thread, like a war room story around, I was, I was uh, like, it was middle of the day in Tokyo, I think, and I was looking for launch, like near my, where I was staying, and I got this tweet that, Yearn, you should take a look, like the, the tweet that we don't, no, nobody wants to see, and I started running back to my room and uh, the, no, the no, thread, no. yeah, it's, it's, we could get into the laptop and we were seeing the transaction, trying to like get a sense, a war room immediately started. Uh, not everybody was awake. Uh, some people were in, in that time and we started uh, the war room and trying to get a sense. And at that time, Sam was awake, uh, Sam season, and he, he yeah. pinged me and he said he already had a, a root cause and what you do, we, we have a whole incident response around that. We have a process, and, and if you see our documents, it's, it's called emergency in the security repo. And uh, yeah, we, you, we, you put up a channel, you put everything in voice, because like the first war rooms we experienced, every time there's an incident in Yearn, uh, you can see the disclosures in that repo. Like disclosures means like, you know, uh, you, you got it into the plane and you arrive at your destination, but something went wrong. Some system was malfunctioning, but that didn't yeah. crash the plane. We had a lot of near misses at that point in Yearn. You see all the disclosures that we have in that repo, 
uh, you can see plenty, more than 20, uh, then we didn't necessarily lose money. We, 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 something happened, we recover the bad state, we fix the bolt, some, something uh, was off and we fixed it. And mm-hmm. we learn and we try to improve every time something happens, we try to see, okay, what went wrong? Why, why did we miss this? What, what, who reviewed this? Uh, and we're not pointing fingers. We're trying to see there's, there's a fault in the process that was missing, some gap. And we sort of like, that's sort of like the, the culture that we have, try to improve and, and just, I mean, if it didn't kill us, how though can we improve and get better out of it? And yeah, and, and that point, like going back to the talking incident, like it was, it, we were looking at the transaction and the bolts were in solidity, which was odd to me because like the V2 bolts are in Viper. I say, well, what the hell is going on? I, I don't even recognize this contract. And it turned out it was an old contract pre-YERN, PV1, IERN tokens that were deployed by Android. And they were immutable and they had like, by chance, I, they have some money left uh, and it was like a million, I'm, I'm blanking on the number. And they had um, a misconfigured setting. They were immutable, like no governance. We even replicated them a while ago, but uh, that happened. Like it, it, it got hacked and um, people say, oh, hey, it's yearn, but it's not necessary. It was a pre-yearn all contract. Uh, it was not even mm-hmm. the Viper bolts, but... Uh, you get look, you you get tagged on Twitter. <laughs> that, that's yeah, sort of like yeah. the first. And uh, the community is like now, like I, I I seen efforts now, like trying to get better at that. Like you shouldn't be getting tagged on Twitter to know something's wrong. Like you should have some internal monitoring and things like that. There's a lot of discussions that are, that I'm involved with trying to like help protocols do it because not every protocol has the resources to to have all the infra that's needed to have this amount of monitoring in place. I I guess what also happens if, you know, you can't even prevent it though, like it's already happened um, and you just, how do you like minimize damages or try and recover uh, what's been lost? Yeah, it's, uh, well, it depends. Uh, Some hacks, you know, like this curve hack was, pool by pool. Uh, so there was this gap between the first exploit and the last one, which is odd because uh, I saw the exploiters, there were three different wallets. I don't know if they're the same person or not, but they, they have a big gap between them. So that means that there was this amount of time for white hacks in the room. I wasn't in that war room, but I know some urine folk were involved and mm-hmm. they were helping out and trying to put a white hat together. So in our incident response, the first goal is minimize the amount of damage or the black radius as much as possible. So so that that's assess as fast as possible, like is the damage done or can something else is, is at risk? If something else is at risk, that's the priority, like minimize the black radius as much as possible. So. In the case of Curl, like in Yearn, we can we have mechanisms to act, and in other protocols, probably they have upgrades and things that they can do. Uh, but uh, that's sort of like the first goal, like minimize the damage, uh, and then you can start looking at the root cause uh, of right. like what was the bug and things like that. But this, that, that's secondary. I think the first uh, goal is like stop the bleeding as much as possible. And yeah, in the yeah. case of like, the, yeah, in the curve thing, like it was a white hack was necessary because they're, they're mutable and there's no upgrades or governor mechanism. And there's this whole conversation around like, like there was Twitter uh, people in Twitter, like explaining what was the first hack while somebody was trying to pull, pull a white hack on the other um, or the other vulnerable contracts. And there was this conversation where I, you shouldn't be posting this. Bantic posted something around around that that you shouldn't be like explaining. Ah, oh, this is how you hack this, or because there's yeah, other yeah. contracts. There. And I don't know. Like it's it, if would that, if 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 that was avoided, would that help the white hacks get better first? I don't know. It's an open question at this point, but it's something that that that's a big conversation that's still going on in the Ethereum security community. Uh, because once the info is yeah. out, it's out. It's hard to contain information at that point. Yeah, especially with you know a vast array of different actors as well. You have black hats, gray hats. I mean, someone might even be a white hat, but then switch over to black hat, right? Mm. If given you know the opportunity, I, I don't know, money changes people, uh, opportunity, yeah. you know, strikes, and you know emotions are high. So, um, yeah, our primal instincts come out. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really even hard to be a white guy in that room. Like you, you, I mean, it's in it's a, it's the most stressful situation that you can get to. Like I mean, I put it in the same sense. Like I I always had a good sense of coding and and doing exercises and things like that. But once you get into the interview, like you're doing a Google interview. And you have this person that, that's putting you exercises and they're like, they don't want to be there. You know, you can tell that they're like annoyed that they're talking to you and they're putting you these exercises. And think of that situation. Like you're, you're, you're sweating, trying to fix something and they're asking you questions. Think of that situation with a hundred X stakes because there's 30 million in the contract and you you need to, if you don't practice that, there's no way you're going to like hack it in, in time uh, in the white hack. So that's another conversation that needs to happen. Like we need, we like, that's something that we do in Europe. Like we try to do drills and, and how do we respond in emergency? Because there's no college for war rooms. There's no, it's just experience. So the only way is like drilling, trying to make this, uh, exercise to have muscle memory, to keep it, to, to make it faster as possible when, when, the, the shit really hits the fan, I guess. And I guess how would you even train internally? I, I have like an idea of, I guess, you know, you have some team members, right? And you're doing like a mock hack on like a test net, right? And then you just have people like DMing you and on course, you know, like yelling and you have to do things simultaneously. I think that would be a quite, quite good uh, training experience. I, I remember when I was younger, I, I did some like a, a physical security course for, for a casino and we did some actual like experienced things where you're in a room mm-hmm. and you know, you're pushing, you're not pushing people away, but you're telling people to go back and then a cleaner is like cleaning up like a murder scene. You have to tell her to go away mm-hmm. and you have to communicate. It's all that stuff, which, you know, prepares you for the actual thing. You're just mimicking it, but in, I guess like a testing environment. So I wonder if you do the same thing in, in Yearn. Yeah. Yeah. We, we do. Like we try to do drills, uh, internally, we have drills. Like uh, we have retro. Like every time a disclosure and incident happen, I mean, uh, at this point, incident is that doesn't a near miss. I, we, uh, I'll say it's a near miss because we didn't lose money. Uh, we haven't had any hack in B two so far, like a major hack in the Vault Factory. But we had like new issues with them, like uh, operation uh, just by the, the the all the the complexity of the system. And uh, we do retros around that, like what went wrong, how do we respond? And usually, like we need more, you know, yearning is a doubt. So people come in, new people come out, and um, and and so that those new people don't necessarily have the experience around barrooms. Uh, they just get yeah. thrown into the deep immediately when one happens. And uh, so, so we try to do drills around that, and we're sort of uh, tenderly and and yearn sort of uh, get together in several live events to do uh, war room games, we call it. So it's an exercise where you're, you come in and you need to have four contracts and you have limited time and it's a context. It's sort of like a CTF, but at the same time, you get distraction. You get a big music distraction. You get a Discord. You're, you, you're get, the contracts are thrown at you in the Discord and you get a lot of people saying, my money's getting hacked and like bots. NPC, so it's not the it's not as it's it's not the real thing, but it's something like to get you in the mindset of like you're trying to yeah. crack this contract, and at the same time you got all these distractions and and high stressful situation. And more of that is needed, I think, uh, because like I said, you you don't get this training like, and you only need to like you you only need to get hacked once, depending on the and the nature of the hack, just to to, to end your protocol, uh, which is. Yeah, it's it's not it's not enough to just audit. You you cannot like say, yeah, the security part is not me. I'm just coding the protocol. Uh, the security is for the auditors or some external thing. That's not how it, it works. It's, it's, it, the security needs to be a part of everybody within the protocol and and the team. Without like testing, you know, sufficient testing on their side, it, you shouldn't rely on external source to really make sure that you're safe, right? Uh, especially mm-hmm. if you're doing upgrades, etc. Um, and I think it's even more prevalent for startups, which don't have the funds to actually uh, afford an audit, right? Or continuous auditing. And that's, yeah. you know, where the most hacks come from. It's just like these startups, they don't have, you know, the money to, to hire like a top team auditing firm mm-hmm. or even just go on like a public contest. Um, and then, you know, they, they deploy it, you know, a DAO or decentralized kind of thing. 
and mm-hmm. they just get hacked. And, and I mean, what do you do at that point? Uh, you can't really pursue them because you're a startup and you have no money. Um, so you just have to let them go. <laughs> but yeah. we only really see that people get pursued if it's you know multi like multi millions um, or like mm-hmm. a massive protocol. So. I mean, do these do these people ever get caught, or is it really just okay? They took the money. We can't really do anything. Um, let's try and prevent this. Yeah, I think that's another big area that that's beginning to improve. Like, uh, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm more experienced in the incident response part, like like minimizing, like min, minimizing the the damage, the blast radius, like. But the recovery part is no is a whole different art. It's like hostage negotiation at that point, like psychology. And um, we're starting to see fruits of it, like the Euler hacker was one of the big ones that, that returned the money. And before that, we had some 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 past hackers that were docs or or they, they were sent to Kurt to Kurt, I think. And and somebody knew their identity, and they eventually. Uh, so I, I'm seeing right now on Twitter like there's uh, several of the curve attackers were returning the money. So. I think that's becoming more and more, it's getting better than what was before because uh, before you, we never, like you said, we never saw the money again. And um, now mm-hmm. like things, even like you said, like if you have like the the, the intention to do a black hat, there's so many things that you can screw up. I don't, I don't even, I, I cannot even begin to say, did I forget to put my VPN? Did I forget to, to send it to flashbots or not? You know, all the attacks, several of the curve attackers, got front run. And um, mm. so something you, you, you're you about to mess up or you're about to tell somebody that's going to rat you out. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to live a life uh, looking at my back every day, every, every day of, of my life. So I don't, I don't have the back of mindset at all. Uh, but uh, I, I'm, I'm getting, I'm guessing that, that the tooling to find these people are getting better. We have Taylor and Zach, XBT and Twitter, like getting, really good at, at pointing people out. And so it, they're bound to make mistakes. And I think we're improving on that. Uh, hopefully it gets better. And, um, yeah. and, but you're totally right. Like the, the small protocols don't have the resources. They need to come in and, and hopefully the, the wider Ethereum community can help out even in the small protocols, like lend a hand and, and say, yeah, we're going to help you. And it's, it's, it's a public good uh, problem because like nobody's, uh, giving money to to like like this overall uh, training in drills, incident response, yeah. all these protocols need it. If you have money on chain, you need all this uh, process and security. They are the only the big protocols probably can afford, uh, you know. And that's sort of like the, the the problem with the incentives that we have right now. Incentives is a massive thing, right? Like, I guess especially for white hats, it's really a gamble of disclosing something to a protocol and you know they're not giving you one they're not giving you the amount two they might just you know downgrade how much they actually want to give you and and three i guess you know they're not really getting caught as as much as i mean the chances of getting caught aren't aren't actually incredibly high um if they're smart Mm -hmm. right i think majority of hackers are quite dumb um especially with i don't know why but they send it to like public mempools instead of like flashbots for example and, and you know they're getting caught just from getting doxxed so like and the majority of them are, are quite naive but um i think for the people that are advanced they need like quite a good incentive which you know i hope improves because that's kind of the main reason right like if if these mm-hmm. incentives were there they wouldn't be stealing it right so what what do you do at yearn to really uh or what do you what do you see um that people do to really you know incentivize the ethical side of these people. Yeah, we work with the bounty programs. We have Immunify. Before Immunify, uh, we had like a direct channel. We have security uh, contacts that you can you can look for and, and send us in, in emails or things if you find something. We give every report like very serious attention. Like everything, I get reports like at, at, at midnight my time and, and um, I go right in and and you get spams a lot as well. I mean, you can avoid that. Mm-hmm. And you get like chat GPT. I know like by the second paragraph, oh, this is chat GPT. And this is nothing serious. But uh, sometimes you get things serious. You need to be on top. And uh, I, I would say that it's bad. If, if you care about security, you should care about like paying 
somebody that legitimately that that, that has a legit hack on your protocol. I uh, not not yeah. like 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 screwing them and saying no, but this is not in the scope or whatever. We adjourn. I think the the, the highest bounty we pay, I think, is we we pay Sam for one bounty, and then we we pay another white hack for quarter of a million. I think was the biggest one on the strategy. So the strategy had a leverage component. So it used flash loan. So you you open up a function to receive the flash loan, and it has some security access control, but it was missing the security part. That was this was long two years ago. And, and anybody could loan a flash loan to Aave, I think, and send it to the strategy. So potentially you could, you could arrange this to, to, to liquidate the strategy. And that's the open door. That's the open door because you can, when you're, you're, you're putting out a loan, the, the Aave, usually the, the flash loan uh, vendor gives you uh, who initiated the flash loan. And you need to check that you're actually the one that initiated it. And, mm-hmm. and in this case, we were doing an access control differently, which we thought was enough, but we wasn't. And they, we paid the, we, we didn't mess around. We, we paid them. Like we, we yeah, this is serious. And we attacked them because there was a lot of money involved. And, um, mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that we, we have this mindset of serious, being serious about every single, uh, report that we get. And, and the bounties have improved. Uh, uh we're not there yet, but I think, it's, it's getting a lot better than what it was before. Um, but like you said, like the incentives, hopefully, like people that are good and doing good, and there's a lot of people in the Wi-Fi community that they want to see this ecosystem grow. And we're not there yet. Like we're not at the point that you can buy, you can deposit in, in, a, in a protocol, like you're depositing, you're buying an airplane ticket. And you know, you don't even think about insurance or that it's going to crash. Right yeah. when you get into the plane, you don't even think about there's uh, there's this there's this heavy uh, flying machine with tons of steel in the air, that, that, yeah. that, and everything is happening. You, you don't think about that. You're 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 hearing your AirPods and hearing a podcast. And we're not there yet in, in smart contracts yet. We're we're not we're not there where you 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 know there's a sub zero uh, chance that there's going to get hacked. So. I mean, the more people get in, get into security and try to do good within the ecosystem, I think it's, it's, yeah, things will improve, hopefully. The more people that get in, obviously, the more innovation can happen. Uh, but I do think it's, if you, if it really just, you know, depends on manual auditing, it will never get there, in my opinion, because you just need to infinitely scale. And obviously, when, you know, crypto becomes into a, a bull market again, there's going to be a ton of retail, a ton of people trying to do all this stuff very naively. So mm-hmm. there's really more of a, a fundamental problem of, okay, why isn't this safe? And mm-hmm. I think one of the core reasons is the tooling, right? Um, mm-hmm. Well, even the compilers, it, it should tell you that this is vulnerable in some way. Um, for example, like a re-entrancy, oh, like, by the way, here, you can go into it again. Um, and I think that goes back down to like education as well, uh, of like, you know, teaching people what are the risks. Um, cause ultimately there's a risk in every single protocol. It's not just, you know, when you deposit into a vault, uh, the token can go up, up and down. That's your risk. And there's also like a very, you know, significant risk of it being hacked, which nobody really accounts for. Um, and especially when it's unverified as well, it's just you know a whole different game that people don't really account for. Yeah, su- super interesting though. Uh, I guess if someone wanted to get into you know the position that you're in, how would how would they really get there and attain that kind of goal? If you ask me this question like back then, it, it was probably each person that's in security at this point had a different upbringing, so to speak, to to what they did there. But I think like um, in recent conversations, uh, I changed my mind now because it's it's so many resources. Like you were mentioning, when we get a bull market and new people come in, you got all this precedence around all the past hacks. You know what to look for, like all the overall knowledge base on the se- and the security community has increased because you can see the context. You can you can get real good in in a short amount of time just going through. Code Arena or Sherlock contest without looking at the, at the results, trying to see if you can get as much of the criticals or mediums 
and you can spot them and you, you start like adding these patterns to your brain, you know, like chess mm-hmm. puzzles, you know, yeah, I, I try trying to add, okay, this, this smells like a reentency or this, this, uh, what happens if I change this? This looks like, I, I was reading a blog from Sam Season where he was, he, he caught the sushi exploit. It was a, a router option. And he was going through the code. He got wind of the contract by some telegram group. And he started look by curiosity, looking at the code. And he remember he was looking at some weird interaction where there was a path that was going doing ERC20 and there was a path doing an ADB roll calls and sending, right? Would be that, that sort of like should bring bells. And uh, he remember a pass hack open which is, uh, I think, I don't remember the, the, the protocol, but it's open, was doing message value through a multi-call. So, you know, message value persists through different calls. So the attacker yeah. could potentially just send one ETH and do like a loop within the multi-call and, and, and get more ETH and sort of like that. And, and he remembered that pattern. Mm-hmm. And that's where, where I'm getting. Like, if you get good at like looking at all those contests and looking at all those patterns and start reading code, reading code, which is something that specifically a lot of developers don't like. Really, <laughs> more people like coding than than reading yeah, code. Yeah. And uh, it's that's why a security person that are really good and they don't necessarily code a lot. I I, I find myself coding. 20% of the time, maybe less, because my I can have more impact reviewing code at this point than, than, than mm-hmm. coding. But I do code because I like it. I, I want to have time to code. It's just that by happenstance, I, 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 I have more work around seeing other, reviewing other people's code. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that, 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 that's sort of like my, my suggestion would be like go now. There, there's a roadmap that, that you can have by going through all those contexts, all the audit reports, going to rec news. Like seeing all the past exploits, understanding that there's this great repo around uh, Sunset Labs or DeFi Hacks Labs that has all the exploits in Foundry of every single uh, hack that happened. Just go through them and, and see what was missed in the code. And, and, and that's where like we'll build this pattern matching system in your brain to, to get good at it. And and would that would a developer would a new developer in this new bull market do it? I don't know, but at least I hope they send it to a security person that has gone through that, and 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 learn from all the to, to what to look for. You know? It's all about experience and you know learning from the past, so you can kind of you know predict the future or at least use the past um, in the present. Because it's all about experience, right? And the only way you can get experience is from one doing it or two. There is no two. <laughs> there, there's, there's only one. There's only doing it. Two would be, you know, reading past and then applying that to the experience that you're doing currently. Uh, it just yeah, makes it yeah. easier, accelerates it in, in, in a, you know, in some degree. Right. But the, the only way you can really get better is just, you know, doing it. I think that applies to anything though, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that's why you mentioned the drills that you have in, 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 in your story in the casino. I mean, yeah. you can you can read a document. And how, how would you respond in a fire menu? You can read the document or a book, but it's, it won't yeah. it won't build the muscle memory to do what actually is needed. And, and there's it's special. That's what they're training for this special emergencies, and, and you need to yeah. like build that. And um, well, that's specifically for for incident response, but it's the same for coding for anything. Like you need to practice a lot and, and get good at. And reviewing code is part of that as well, I think. Mm-hmm. And just for the final kind of question, I guess, what are the main differences you see between pre-deployment audits and post-deployment audits? Um, pre meaning, you know, it hasn't been deployed yet. Post means it has been deployed and it's live in its you know, live context. I would like to see more of the post-deployment audits. I think it's now becoming clear that, like, at least in the big protocols, that is something that, that needs to be ongoing. Uh, like I said, like, there was this misalignment of the big upfront security costs were done, were done upfront. Uh, that means pre-deployment. You do several audits and, and, and so forth. And, and you know, but that 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 works for Uniswap, like where they have this big invariant in the formula, where you know they, they do this big upfront and that's like a 
a, like sending a space grab. Like there's no, it's immutable. There's nothing changing and, and, and it's gone. Um, yeah. but in those protocols that, that, you know, compound that introducing a new ERC20 just requires a new audit just by, by, how the system works is complex. It doesn't have it, it doesn't have like the the math, the math invariant that the Uniswap has, and not It has different properties. Now I see like they, they reach out to uh, audit firms like Open Zeppelin, and they do this risk approach around everything. Like you know, there's also risk around um, market settings. You know, Gauntlet does for Aave yeah. or Compound and. Uh, there's more now knowledge around, yeah, you should also have some budget for changes after that. And uh, unfortunately, like, I don't know, it's again, like the incentives problem, maybe only some protocols are equipped to do this and not every protocol has it, uh, which is sort of like, it, it's not like, they, we need to remove the mindset of like audit means it's safe and I need to, I, I never need to think about security again, which is not the case. It's, it's every time you, you're doing an operation and, and deploying something new, and, and, and even a setting can 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 make you vulnerable. So so yeah, and it's it's still ongoing. Like I said, there's tooling around governance changes where you 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 deploy everything in a simulation. And um, Daniel Bonfetch had a great talk in DeFi Security Summit around this. How how you in I think Origin is the protocol he he works at. They do. Every, every time there's a new governance change, they have the simulation and they have this suite of tests that, that sort of like health check around it, it will this uh, governance change break the protocol? Because it happened to Compound, like Compound had an issue where they deploy something and I think it was 60 million that got, like it was dripped from the rewards, it got dripped. It, it happens even in bigger protocols. So, so yeah, it's something that, that, Hopefully, we see improvements, but it's not there yet. As as it's not as good as the pre-deployment, unfortunately. I think at this time, post-deployment is a whole nother ball game that people aren't even considering, and they you know shrug it off, put up, put it under the rug because you know it's deployed. They don't have to worry about it, but you do have to worry about it because different contexts come, and you know it, if you want to prevent it, you may as well get an order during this context, or at least have some kind of system that is able to test it in some way um, mm -hmm. on these live contexts that you may, you know, mm -hmm. that you didn't consider pre-deployment, right? Of all these different actors and what the current state is and how it can be affected, et cetera. You know, if you identify that, then you can prevent, you know, any further chances of a, a black hat coming in, right? Um, you could just mm -hmm. white hat and redeploy or, you know, white hat, re build it again, fix the issue, then redeploy, uh, do a just, you know, disclose it after all that stuff and yeah then you then you have that that uh, security and your reputation still intact because uh you know if you mm. get blackheaded and you can't return the funds or anything well you're gonna have to create a new account and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it gets a hit yeah yeah and uh, not totally and and uh, yeah i mean i'm, I'm with you like the the, the moment the tool I don't know if it's going to be AI or something that's going to learn through this knowledge base and be able to say, okay, there's a reentrancy. Even when I'm doing the PR full request, that would be huge. I mean, I'll be the first person using it. But from what I mm. experience using AI tools or the current state of the tools, we're, we're very far away still from, from that. But uh, I totally agree. Like, we need to scale it somehow. And it's going to be an arms race. Like the, the black hats have this tooling, and now the white hats will learn about it, and and the, the black hats will look for. Now they're looking to compile this stuff, and it's it's an arms race. And, and eventually, like this tooling should be part of your CI and your your pipeline. And every time you're making even a change earlier in the in the code that that, that that's bound to go to production, you'll find it quicker because this tool will tell you, oh, okay, this is gonna break because given this fork state, uh, now you're, you're opening this new function, whatever. Uh, so I have a lot of tweets around, like, uh, you should be careful around changes uh, and, and risking, like, your protocol may be safe, but, uh, but not after you make changes. Now you're introducing new bugs. And there's a whole different mindset around this and, and operational risk. We are close to wrapping up here. I, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for coming on and 
having this this discussion with me and you know great to meet you as well first time talking um i think it was a terrific chat and i, I i'm sure everybody else would love to listen to this as well um i thoroughly enjoyed it and i hope you did as well thanks no likewise likewise thanks for the invite of course and if anybody wants to come on the podcast or wants to suggest someone to come on the podcast just dm me at scraping bits on on twitter and i'll see what i can do otherwise thank you so much Storm, for coming on and i'll see you on the next episode next episode Thanks. Have a good one.